Welcome back to another very special episode of For Fintech's Sake with me, your host, Zach Anderson Pettit. Before we get to today's episode, just one quick housekeeping item. If you're a fan of the show and want new episodes in your inbox as they're released every week, go to forfintechsake.com and sign up for the newsletter. It's not really a newsletter, but it's a newsletter. Not a ton of writing, but you get the episode in your inbox every week and it kind of acts as a reminder to get in there and learn something new. All right. Now that that's as clear as mud, let's get to the goodness. My guest today is Mangit Ng, CEO at Anvil. Anvil is on a mission to transform the way the financial services industry interacts with everyone's favorite document type, the PDF. Sounds exciting. I know. But you know that thing where some of the most meaningful and largest companies seem boring at first? That's how Anvil comes across at first glance. But every layer you pull back, the more interesting it gets. We go deep on the problem, the somewhat obvious problem, that they're laser focused on solving in the short term, but we continue and we pull on that thread to the long list of huge problems that this technology could solve over time. Not just for business, but for society. Hint, hint, privacy. Hint, hint, GDPR. And that's all the hints. So with that, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mangit, starting now. Mangit, my friend, welcome to For Fintech's Sake. How are you today? I'm doing well. Yourself? You know, I mean, when winter is coming, it's snowing in Kansas <laughs> City, but, but I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Are you in San Francisco? I am. It is not winter right now. It is currently 65 and sunny. So just to, just so you know, I want to make sure you knew that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm not jealous at all. It's fine. It's not directly snowing all over the entire world in front of my face or anything. It's not depressing at all in the midst of the 2020s and the blurs day that we live in. So tell me, tell me the story. Tell me the history. I mean, you and I have, I guess, known each other through two companies now, or myself at two companies, you just at Anvil. Um, mm -hmm. But tell me the history of you. How did you get to Anvil? How did you kind of uncover this very specific issue of uh, PDFs and how insane they're driving everyone? Um, well, I would like to say, I mean, PDFs are specific, but pervasive, I would say. So, so it's, it's kind of everywhere. Um, but the the original reason I came upon PDFs uh, was this moment in time when I was applying for a mortgage, and you know there was a bunch of bankers that we were working with trying to get different quotes. Some of them had PDFs for us to fill out. Some of them had online forms, um, but all of them were not great experiences. Uh, the online forms only collected half the information. I still need to submit PDF forms through email. They were confusing and DocuSign was great, but I still had to see this like physical PDF and try to understand what each field was. And so that combined with kind of my experience building uh, business applications at Dropbox, I work on Dropbox for business, working at Flexport where we worked on a lot of um, online experiences for managing logistics. I was like, hey, can we use technology to really quickly transform paperwork processes into online workflows that are guided, that are simple, that don't ask for more information than is needed to complete the task? Um, 
and really have it be dynamic for the person that's filling it out. So that was, that was the first thought. I was like, as a consumer, this sucks. How do I make it better? (laughs) Um, But then, but then after, after digging deeper into it, I realized it actually sucks way more for the businesses, the businesses, they have a person or an entire department that's just sitting there collecting hundreds of these forms and sorting through them and then typing them into, you know, CRM systems, core banking systems, whatever it may be and doing that manually. Um, and, and that's when we were like, Hey, there's, there's a, there's like a real business case here where we can sell software to businesses and really streamline this process for them. So I'm going to be, you know, a little, little edgy here and ask you, are you trying to kill the PDF? I think that, uh, do you want the, the politically correct answer or the, the actual answer? I want the actual <laughs> answer. I mean, as long as you're comfortable, the actual answer going out in the world, fuck the politically correct answer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're trying to kill the PDF. I mean, the PDF, a little backstory on PDFs, you know, that why is it in 2020 that, the rep- the digital representation of information online looks like a piece of paper. Like we don't need it to look like a piece of paper on the internet. Yeah. It can just be data or it could just be a website or it could just be an app, whatever it may be, but it doesn't need to look like a piece of paper. And I think PDFs are actually holding back a lot of innovation. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's almost like this, it's kind of similar in some ways to just this whole FinTech thing, right? If we, we've kind of put lipstick on a pig in a lot of ways with the fintech industry over the last 10 years, right? Like not a lot of infrastructure innovation. It's starting to happen now. I mean, you're one of those people doing that, but the, you know, unbundling a checking account and just giving it a better, you know, a better brand and having a little fun with it and this and that. And all of a sudden you're a quote unquote fintech when really all it was, was a UX innovation. It sounds like what you're doing is not only a UX innovation, but it also goes lower and is truly an infrastructure innovation too, where maybe, you know, my children or my children's children won't have to know those three letters of P, D, and F. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I like where you're going with this because that is our, our goal here, right? Like the question is what is the next file format or what is the next structure of data that, businesses can, can kind of agree upon and use as a mechanism for, for transacting services, for, for providing goods and services. And, you know, if Anvil is successful, uh, that is hopefully the outcome where when I send information to a bank, when I send information to, to an insurance agent, it's just a payload of data that their system can automatically ingest and then do something with. Um, no need to put it onto a piece of paper or PDF and then attach it as an email and then send it out. Um, yeah. Love it. It's so obvious. It hurts. I mean, I think that was my reaction the first time I talked to you. I was just like, Oh dear God. I thought, how, how has no one done this? And why am I, you know, I appreciate the entrepreneurial spirit of like second guessing the PDF, right? Because I hadn't before I met you, I was just like, this is a hellish thing that I have to deal with multiple times a day that everybody has to deal with multiple times a day if they're doing business. And it just is what it is, right? Like, yeah, we'll put something, we'll turn it into a PDF and we'll put it in doc send and that's spicy, right? But what you're doing is like truly... <laughs> You're, you're going back to first principles and asking like, why the hell are we doing this in the first place? Right. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think you give me a lot of credit, Zach, uh, whether it's deserved or not. But I think that with with a lot of these things, there's a lot of inertia, right? Yeah. Uh, with, with paperwork, it's it's just the easiest, it's the lowest common denominator. Everybody uses it. Um, with banking, it's it's similar. There's just there's a couple core providers, and you know, there's a handful of companies trying to build new core banking systems, but there's a lot of inertia to overcome. So what, what we've really been trying to do with, with the PDF and kind of our paperwork processing system, our platform is to use the PDF as almost a Trojan horse in the sense that like, Hey, we will take your existing process. The existing process is, is defined by this set of forms. We'll convert that one for one into an online experience and still generate those PDFs. We'll still fill them out, but it'll be a true digital first experience. Um, You don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And then after that, at some point, when you feel comfortable getting rid of the PDFs, we'll just stop generating the PDFs. Like who needs the PDFs? But until you're comfortable, we'll continue to generate the PDF for you so that you have this paper trail, um, literal paper trail in in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. It sounds like you've spent enough time doing uh, doing the customer discovery with bankers and with regulators that uh, that you know that things aren't going to change that fast, right? I did an interview, I think it was yesterday, uh, with, and it'll make no sense to listeners since these come out weekly. But anyways, between you and I, it was yesterday uh, with Joanne Barefoot and David Eric from Alliance for Innovative Regulation, and one of they just released this thing called the RegTech Manifesto just released. It's actually, it's been out for a while, but one of the quotes that they have in there is that it's a gradual, but oh, now I'm going to butcher it now that I gave the whole preamble. Um, (laughs) Gradual, but urgent, I believe is what they said. And that sounds like this too, right? I mean, it sounds like regulators at the end of the day, they still have these stacks of paper, the banks. I mean, you know, MBKC was like super digitally native forward thinking and Mm -hmm we had paper in places everywhere. <laughs> you know, when regular way back when I was there, we had regulators coming in, sifting through all of this paper. And it sounds like yeah. you're not only thinking about like what, what today is, but as we start to hopefully have some digital first regulation, like you'll be ready for that as well. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we, we've, we've, we've thought about this in that lens a lot, you know, there, there's a lot of really exciting technology out there um, that is, if you're starting from scratch, if you're building a new industry from scratch, it's, it's great. You can easily adopt them. You can just start with this as the baseline, this new technology. But when you are working with industries that are necessarily been, been along, been around for a long time, you know, like the banking has been around for thousands of years, right? Um, there are established processes. There are established ways of doing things. And you know, sometimes coming in and saying, Hey, this is a better way. You should just use my way is, is just, is too hard of an uphill battle. Um, and, and you got to think about how you bridge to the future. How, how do you make the transition, um, happen without the people even realizing it's happening? Um, that that's, that's really our goal with, with Anvil. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of companies, you know, from specifically, I think your geography have taken this stance of this is how the world should be. And it shall be this way. And we shall raise VC to go make this world this way without maybe sometimes taking reality into account and actually, you know, 
listening to the customer and doing doing what solving the problem that they have today while thinking about the problem that they have tomorrow. And I think that's one of my favorite things about Anvil and about like just how you got to this story or how you got to this point in the story is the current use case versus the future use case and like how I mean, maybe it's worth kind of rewinding even a little bit. And we're, you know, saying things like API and PDF. And I mean, everybody I think knows what a PDF is. I would imagine most of the audience knows what an API is, but -hmm. maybe we should just go back and talk through like the most obvious use case. Like what was the first use case? Maybe if you want to, you know, talk about Sunrise or Catalyst or any of these that you kind of have been able to publish publicly about, yeah. I think that would be a good, you know, good stage setter maybe now that we're partway through the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, there are a lot of use cases that seem obvious, uh, from the get go. And, and the ones that seem obvious for, for the consumer, the person who's filling out the form is often different from the ones that are obvious from the, the kind of like person receiving the documents. Um, mm. I think the way we define the paperwork processes that make the most sense for using Anvil are high frequency paperwork processes, um, high effort paperwork processes. Uh, those two things really make the investment in, in converting it into an online workflow uh, really, really worth it. So I think an example, uh, you mentioned Sunrise. We, we worked with them to roll out PPP1 and, and we've been working with them throughout the PPP process. That was something where the SBA was just like, hey, here's a form, get it filled out and then submit it. And then, and then as, as the program was being rolled out, they kept changing the rules and kept changing the rules and updating the rules. And the nice thing about how we were able to go about it was, we first converted the form into an online workflow. The online workflow that we system that we've created is extremely flexible. So we could update the rules in real time as people, as the SBA was providing guidance on them. So, you know, we, we, we start with the baseline paperwork document and then, and then kind of go from there. And we were able to keep up with, with all of the changes as they were happening, which I think, is a, is a slightly different paradigm from hand coding the stuff from scratch, which is a lot of times the, the approach uh, we, we really, tr- we're really trying to make it a lot faster, a lot more flexible and a lot easier for even non-developers to, to build these types of processes. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a good lead in into defining some terms, I think for the listeners, right? Like scrolling Mm -hmm. through your website. And also just like, if, if I talk to you for more than 20 minutes, like the words, no code or low code come up, you know, a couple of times. Right. And anybody that's like deep into Uh FinTech Twitter or whatever it is, right. Deep in this world that we live in, I think is probably, you know, especially in the San Francisco side of things, like familiar with what we're talking about here with Zapier or whatever, but I would imagine the bankers and the regulators are not quite as schooled on what this kind of next gen is going to look like. So from your perspective as somebody that's, you know, truly building one of these tools in a pretty visionary way from my perspective, like what does no code, low code mean? And what does it mean in the future? No code has become one of these buzzwords. Low code yeah. has become one of these buzzwords. So I think there's, there's different connotations attached to it, depending on who you talk to. I think, kind of throwing out those words and just kind of describing our ultimate goal for our workflow product. Um, it really is 
the ability for somebody, anybody to come to Anvil, sign up and build a workflow using our Anvil tool without the need to you know, reach out to us for help. Like it should be simple enough that, that a relatively technically savvy, savvy person can do this. Uh, we should have help articles and support articles as well. But, you know, when we can get to a point where it becomes a hundred percent self-serve, um, that will, that will be the point where, where we are confident that we built something that is, um, that is, that is really what's considered no code. Now, now, the one thing that I would like to kind of caveat here is there's two ways to get to no code. Uh, one is to really, really, really simplify your product. So it just does one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, another way is to constantly iterate on your product to improve it and, and kind of just be okay with the fact that you might not ever get there. <laughs> you know, It's going to be a persistent, like constant iterative process. You could always do it a little bit better, make it simpler for people. Um, and so we're taking the, the latter approach, which is we need our system to be flexible enough, powerful enough and robust enough to handle kind of any business process, business logic. And, and that kind of puts us in the low code category right now, where when something is just too complex to do from a UI perspective, we, we resort to, um, code snippets essentially that, that helps speed up the process. Um, but it still makes development as a whole, a lot faster, uh, because the there's big chunks that you don't actually have to write from scratch. That is a very helpful description. I think there's still a sense of me that just like wants you to explain it to me even more like a second grader, but I, I think the listeners will get that. And I, I get that after having talked to you like five times. This is the problem with the uh, interviewing engineers. <laughs> you're, you know, you've transitioned. You're, you're an engineer. You're a, you're a product guy, but also, you know, you're, you're running this thing. I mean, speaking of that, like you've been able to sell this vision to the point of being able to raise, would you guys raise 5 million? Our, our most recent round was 5 million. Yes. How yep. much have you raised total? Like, tell me the story that you're telling investors. Cause I imagine, I mean, it seems like an obvious story to me and I wish I would have known you earlier on to have that conversation <laughs> one-on-one. Uh, but it seems like a pretty interesting story. And the other question that pops up for me is like, you're in this, like you found a really interesting thread on the FinTech side but it seems so much bigger than fintech. And it's like, you're in these fintech circles and like, I'll just say fintech again, because I never shut up about it. Um, but it's like, is that just the beginning? Is the future kind of anvil everywhere, I would imagine? One of the things that really worried me and scared me about the online transformation of, of like legacy processes is, is the it's oftentimes the lack of control from the consumer on, on their own data. Um, I think it going back to the mortgage example, sharing your information over email um, is, is not secure. It's not a great way to, to, to provide the information the banker needs to underwrite you or give you a mortgage. But, you know, nine out of 10 loan officers that I've ever worked with, you know, ask for that information over email. They're like, Hey, give me your social security number and I need your bank account statement. And I need, uh, you know, your, your employment information and your mother's, uh, maiden name. 
Also, what's this two digit, uh, six digit code that just got sent to your phone? Please share right now. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you're stressing um, and, me out. And so yeah, that's what, I've got anxiety over here listening <laughs> to you. But yes, continue. <laughs> I'm like, uh, shit. I just went through this. Yeah. You're giving me PTSD. One thing we do is is we make sure that our systems, um, when we build it, we follow kind of an like industry standard encryption policies, industry standards, security policies. We are very early on in our in our company. Um, life cycle, we got a SOC 2 type 2 certification, which is generally not something you do as, as a startup, right? You kind of, you kind of wing it. Um, I mean, that's so security is unheard really- of. <laughs> yeah. Not to interrupt you, but I mean, that's unheard of. I mean, how many employees did you have when you went through that process? Four. <laughs> Jeez, man. That is four. <laughs> I will tell you doing it at four is a lot easier than doing it at 40. I'm sure. So I am kind of glad we started mm. the process then. Um, I'd weirdly never, never thought of it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. It, it is a lot. It is a, a fairly hefty price for a four person startup. You know, it's not cheap to get a SOC two type two um, certification, but there are, you know, Shout out to a couple, a couple technology companies out there. Um, Vanta, Drata, these SOC 2 type 2 companies out there that help startups do this. So um, that's, that's pretty awesome. But kind of going back to the Anvil everywhere and, you know, data management, um, I think one is how do we provide a system that allows this digital transformation to be a privacy first, secure digital transformation? not kind of ad hoc work around digital transformation. That, that's, that's the first part. Um, and then the second part that I think, you know, the part that a lot of our investors have bought into or like really, really see as the pie in the sky vision is how do we at some point provide people the ability to um, one, create kind of a, this online persona of themselves with their information, but retain control over who has access to it. Um, that is the longer vision. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of things we could do. We're still working out the details, but ultimately I would love for a world where I can go apply for three, four mortgages with different banks. I choose one and then I revoke access to my data for the banks I didn't go with. Uh, right now, I just kind of, they have access to it. And I don't know where it goes. I mean, Equifax gets a breach. All of my information's out there. Um, how do I, how do I kind of like uh, rein back in that control on, on my personal private data? You've never, I mean, we, we've never had this conversation. That's actually fascinating. And I've never thought about that as, you know, maybe it's step 20 or 30 or 150, <laughs> but based on where you are today in this world, I've never we've never had that conversation and that's absolutely fascinating. One of my favorite companies in Kansas city, uh, one of my favorite startups is called triple blind and one of the, what they do, not one of the things they do, uh, what they do is they run encrypted algorithms on encrypted data sets. And it's Mm -hmm. like, there's so many different wedges into this future vision of privacy and that being a thing that isn't a buzzword, but actually a reality, you know, and I, yeah. I never thought about what you're doing now, pulling on that thread long enough. It does lead to data ownership for individuals and businesses, I would think, over time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think the 
there's a lot of steps and I, but I do think the first step is coming up with a, a agreed upon kind of like data format for pieces of data that is similar to how PDFs have become so pervasive. Um, but it has to be a digital first, not a weird skeuomorphic representation of paper on, on computers. Um, and, and, and I also think that I, I think that it's important that this data format, although, you know, it's part of our company vision and something that we want to do. It, it has to be a collaborative kind of format that, that we come up with um, similar to how HTTP and web protocols were developed as a consortium. These things should also be developed as, as a consortium as well. So how does Anvil get to the point of having like the power to be part of that consortium? Right. And especially as a for-profit, because I think of like, like I'm fascinated by the fact that Signal is, you know, nonprofit and some of these others are like, it's, you wonder how long some of those things are going to last because of that mm-hmm. they continue to fundraise and like you're building a business, but I would think that, you know, the FANG stocks or something like that are going to be the people making these decisions or something like that. Like, how do you guys get to a point where that consortium involves you? I think it is part of it is working with some of these legacy industries that need yeah. to be, um, that are looking to to update their systems, but are struggling to figure out the right way or the fastest way to do it. And so if you can help them achieve that, uh, and let's say, let's say for whatever reason, all of financial services uses Anvil, like, yeah, these FANG stocks are going to talk to us at that point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think the other side of it, you mentioned like for-profit business. Um, we are certainly a for-profit business. That doesn't mean we can't have a kind of public benefit lens. Um, and I think the way we think about it is really how do we provide the tools to make this, this like secure digital future um, possible? And uh, we can sell those tools. We can, we can have different levels of those tools for, for big companies who need to ingest this data to, to then do something, we can provide the decryption layer and the ingestion layer and like, you know, serve up that data for their systems internally. Uh, for individuals, we can provide free individual accounts that, you know, is like an encrypted vault that for their data. Um, you know, there, there's lots of ways to make money off this that doesn't also, that sits nicely with kind of the division of securing the data and, and, regaining, regiving back control to, to the people who own the data. Yeah. I mean, listening to the first part of that, especially like, I mean, it sounds like the answer is just standing on the shoulders of giants, right? It's you guys eventually, you will eventually, I, you know, I'm obviously bullish on the company, (laughs) not an investor, just so the listeners know, wish I was, um, you guys will eventually be a giant, I think, but standing on the shoulders of enough of these community banks, like you're standing pretty tall after a while. Right. And like your, your power to have those conversations over time based on the size of your customers. And it's more about serving the market and the market gives you power kind of thing. It sounds like. Yeah. I, I feel like that a little bit. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. Standing on the shoulders of, of giants is, is, is a very, very apt way to describe it. I think anybody that says they created something completely from scratch by themselves is lying to you. There was always a step before 
there was always an iterative process to build on top of. And um, we are certainly, you know, building on top of a lot of existing technology and existing uh, ways of thinking and, and on top of industries that have our established industries, you know, we're, we're, we're looking to serve those industries. So um, you're right. It definitely, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants is, is a good way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Well, outside of Al Gore creating the internet single-handedly, I agree with you. Uh, you know, that's the, that's the one exception to all this, right? <laughs> series of tubes, series of tubes. That's all it is. <laughs> I love it. Um, so what, one thing that I am curious about is like the, there's this whole new side of the, like you're, you're selling to banks, you're selling to this, you know, fintech Arati kind of cohort of companies that is kind of like, it's a small circle, right? At the end of the day, or mm-hmm. I should at least say that it's a small circle of successful companies. There's new ones every day. There's thousands every day, but the number that are actually going to get there, it's a different conversation. But I know one thing or two things are for certain death and taxes and the taxes part comes back to the government and kind of reminds me of the opportunity in like supervisory technology, like not even reg tech necessarily of like, you know, make sure that your local OCC regulator has access to this, but the ability for our government institutions, even the fed to be able to understand without violating privacy, what's happening in the markets, what's happening in the economy, and then be able to make better informed decisions by having that data and it not being, you know, four months old kind of a thing. Is that something you guys are thinking about in the future? Or am I like drawing out a line that I'm making up in in my head? (laughs) I mean, I think that with, with a real digital first data format, you can have real time insights. Um, You know, the the part of the reason that a lot of these, uh, these data points for the fed, for the treasury department are, are, you know, old or or stale is because it's either submitted using paperwork. It's, you know, you it's pick up a phone and dial. I know the beige book tends to be a lot of stories where they picked up a phone and dial. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and if there's an easy way to collect this data on behalf of the fed and then they can use it immediately, it it can definitely be real time. Um, I think another thing you you kind of touched upon, like uh, how can the fed do this without invading privacy or, but still have access to the data. How can government do this? And, and the first thing that popped into my head was like blockchain, blockchain. Yeah. Everybody wants to do blockchain, right? right? Like you can, you can write something to the chain and everybody can verify that it happened, but nobody knows what it was or the, the details of it. Um, and funny, funny stories. Like when we started fundraising, uh, you know, first round of fundraising, we tried so hard to not say the word blockchain. Like we, every, every like investor meeting we would deliberately, it was not in our slide deck. It was nowhere to be found, but inevitably the conversation always came back to blockchain uh, for, for Anvil. And, and I think there, there is, there's definitely applications of, of things like blockchain for, for what we do. I think you can think of the certification process um, of data where today the way people certify or attest that something is true is they sign it. Mm -hmm. Um, They sign it with a e-signature or a wet signature. And, you know, that signature could, could be something that you use encryption on the blockchain to do, right? You, you, 
two parties sign it, they post to the blockchain, everybody can verify that this agreement was entered into uh, by these two parties, but the actual agreement details are, you know, hidden away. Um, and, and so, you know, we do have a signature tool. Um, we think that there are better ways to do, do certification and, and attestations online. Um, and, you know, we're, we're working there, working towards that as well. I mean, it's a, it's a good problem to have when you have such a specific product that serves such a large market, right? Like you could go so many directions with this thing that's impacting so many people. And like, you just happen to start in FinTech cause there's a lot of, you know, power in this market. There's a lot of power in financial services. There's a lot of money in financial services, it turns out, and you can build big companies in financial services. But, you know, I think about, I think about some of it, like my mom runs a yoga studio in Kansas city, right? She's a single, single prop, sole prop, uh, entrepreneur that's been doing this for like 30 years. And even her, like just some of the shit that she has sitting around the house. I'm like, I can't, some of your clients like should not have given that to you or, you know, like she, and I've made her get rid of all of it, but like there was credit card numbers sitting around and like all of these other things. And I know a problem is big when it's impacting my mom. Right. But it's also impacting like the startups that I talk to every day. Right. And that's the, I think the fascinating thing is just like, there's so many directions to go. Like I I don't, I don't envy you in some ways. Like in some ways I'm like, (laughs) damn, there's like so many exciting directions to go. And the other way I'm like, Oh my God, I'd be like at a crossroad, like analysis paralysis. Like which way do we go next? But I guess you just listen to your customers and you figure that out. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I think, I mean, I would love to like kind of delve deeper into this because one thing that we've realized um, is that creating software that takes an existing PDF document and converts it into an online web form and allows people to kind of like tag it, change it, do that. It, it was not really um, that hard of a technology. Um, it is, it is the hard part is the UX and the UI, but then the, the next level of difficulty is really having enough knowledge or understanding of an industry of a business to know how things should operate. Um, you know, if, if you ask me tomorrow, like, Hey, I want to use Anvil for, for healthcare, right? There's lots of paperwork in healthcare, but there's also a lot of regulation. There's a lot of rules, a lot of processes that are established. I've never worked in a hospital. I don't know how medical billing works. Like, And I think there's a lot of room for other businesses to come in and really provide the industry specific knowledge um, to build industry specific software that makes it better. Um, And what Anvil would like to do for them is provide the API layer uh, that, that allows them to kind of bridge this gap. Like, you know, dealing with PDFs is kind of gnarly. It's, it, we found this out. <laughs> we thought like, Oh, PDFs easy. It's a, it's a digital file format. And then you dig into it and you're like, wait, this is, this is just like piled on shit over the years and everybody adds new description languages onto it. Um, so mm. one of the things that we've done is for a lot of our friends, a lot of our friends companies is, we, we took the, the PDF side of the technology that we have um, and made it accessible over API. So you can go build a healthcare startup. And when you have to generate that medical bill, instead of running your own instance of a Java container that runs a you know 
PDF library or whatever language, but Java seems to be a common one because this is like the ultimate enterprise file format. Um, instead of doing that, you use our simple API. You make a request and we give you a PDF that's filled out. Um, we give you a generated PDF. We give you the ability to re request e-signatures on that PDF. Um, so that that's something that we're really excited about is how do we support these companies so they can really bring the industry knowledge that we're never going to go out and learn. Um, or if we did, we'd do a bad job on. And But really quickly... Um, kind of like bridge the gap to the past by giving them these these like simple abstractions of of the PDF. It sounds, and I don't know if this is an official adjective uh, in the Webster dictionary at this point, but it sounds platy, right? And, and platy. it's <laughs> platy, yeah, not like argyle, yeah. but platy, and it's uh, in its experience of a problem, and then solving that problem in an infrastructure layer, and then allowing other entrepreneurs to leverage that infrastructure layer. Right. It's not about, mm -hmm. it's not about building the next, you know, I mean, I think if I would know the plot story correctly, like those guys were running after a consumer business and realized that nothing was actually in existence to power their consumer business pivot to enterprise and off to the races. Right. I mean, it reminds yeah. me a lot of that in terms of just empowering the entrepreneurs and that gives you the ability to say paragraphs and sentences, like you just said, that won't make sense to some bankers, um, won't make sense to some regulators, but will make sense to the entrepreneur that's listening. That's like, oh shit, I've had this idea for five years, but like, I don't know how to do that without having 7,000 PDFs flowing between me and my doctor's <laughs> office or something, right? Like you're empowering this next generation of founders. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Again, you, you, you're giving me a lot of credit. <laughs> um, I mean, well, but, I'm, I'm also I'm also coining adjectives as we do it. So you know, we're gonna add. I'm gonna submit platy to the to the Webster dictionary after we get off the phone. I think Elon Musk might have something to say about that. I believe he's gonna want it defined as um, a specialized engine in Tesla vehicles. You know, well, the, if so. you're going there, then it actually is owned by Mel Brooks, right? From Spaceballs. So, I mean, Elon Musk and Mel Brooks fight. I would pay to see that. Same. I would totally pay to see that as well. I feel like um, Mel Brooks would win, but continue. <laughs> I was gonna. Say, yeah, I mean, I think that is one of the directions we're getting pulled in, I would say we did not set out to build an API infrastructure company. We were like, paperwork sucks. Let's fix paperwork. Um, and the more layers of this problem that we peeled back, it, it was one of those problems that as, as like you got deeper into it, the more opportunities arose as opposed to you, you, the deeper you got into it, you're like, Oh, this isn't going to work. Um, and so that's why that's what really excited us about it. And I, I, I do think that, if we can help other technology companies accelerate um, kind of the digital transformation in their industry, um, that would be really, really exciting. Um, we don't need to be front and center. We just want the, we see this future. I think most people agree that the internet is the future or the internet is now and the future. Um, if they don't, they're and, not listening to this podcast. That's for fucking sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. What, what's a podcast? Um, exactly. Right. Yes. Uh, Let's have this conversation offline 12 feet apart. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do think that like, if, if that's the future and if, we're looking at the world today and there's a lot of things that are rooted in the current and the past. How do we get those to the future? 
And if we can play a part in that, um, we'll, we're very happy, you know, play, play a part and bring the world a little one step closer to, to this digital future. Yeah. And I mean, you charge per API call, right? So at the end of the day, like it builds a bit of a business for you too to empower those others. I mean, it, AKA yeah. I mean, platy. Platy. I mean, go, going back to, to the earlier statement about, you know, selling the tools or, or making a business off the tools again, that's, that's kind of our business model is, is charge for an API request. We provide you a, a, a better tool, a better mousetrap. And literally in this case, it is the actual mousetrap, not just like the, uh, the euphemism or the way of describing right. it. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I think one of the, one of the things that I, that clicked for me the most and was most interesting to me in getting to know you through MBKC and then through bond is also how much you guys eat your own dog food as a company. And I remember, uh, especially since I got to bond, I think it was like four months ago or something like that. We were going through the process of signing an NDA. And I remember working with Mira, my, my co my like Titus coworker that I'm constantly working with. And you were like, Oh yeah, we can just do that through Anvil. And I was like, it's genius. It's like so obvious, so damn obvious. I was about to send you a PDF and be incredibly ironic, but so obvious. And how big of, so the, that's number one, just a thing that happened that I was very impressed by. But number two, does that, is that your usual reaction? Like when you send, cause you're signing NDAs with all these bankers, right? You're signing NDAs with these CEOs that are sick of signing freaking NDAs the way that they have. Has that mm -hmm. been a sales tool that's kind of led to more than you thought or how has that worked out? Cause that's fascinating to me. Um, I think a little bit earlier in the sales process, uh, if we kind of like take a step back before the NDA, like, yeah. um, one thing we we've tested out a couple of times that has been a little bit of a aha moment for bankers. I feel like is going to the bank's website, downloading a form and just converting it into Anvil experience and say, Hey, look, we built this. It took us half an hour or 20 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever. Um, here's a video of how it works. Oh, by the way, you can play with it. It's live. Um, and, and that has been, I think that interaction is a lot easier for people to understand what Anvil does um, than trying to explain it verbally. Um, we've had, also we've, we've definitely struggled to, to sometimes explain what Anvil is because it's kind of like, if you've never played with Legos, like how do you explain what a Lego is to somebody? Oh, yeah. Right. It's like, it's like a block with little bumps on it. Right. Like, okay, cool. Why do I want a block with little bumps on it? Um, That's actually hilarious. And, yeah. And, <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. So you have to like figure out like a use case. You have to like demonstrate it in a lot of ways. And then hopefully then the person runs with that demonstration. It's like, Oh, I can do this. I can do that. I can, Oh wait, there's this whole world of things I can do um, with, with Anvil. I mean, this is ringing a bell now. I'm pretty sure that's what you did at MBKC. And I just like forwarded on to somebody. And then I think that led to good things. Um, but I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot about that. I just, I live in, you know, NDA hell these days. So that's the thing that, you know, pops into my head most. Um, but I love it, man. I know we're kind of coming up on time here. So I want to give you a chance with Anvil growing to do a little bit of a commercial. Where can folks find you know, more about you. I know you're hiring any specific roles or specific asks that you want to make to the, the listeners and the, the little community we got here. 
Yeah, well, first of all, you know, if you want to learn more about Anvil, uh, we are at www.useanvil.com. That's U-S-E-A-N-V-I-L.com. Um, one thing that we're really excited about is kind of pushing forward with our API set of tools, uh, especially for technology companies. So if you would like to learn more about how you can not have to worry about PDFs in your software, uh, please reach out. Um, or, you know, you can check out our documentation at useanvil.com slash docs, D-O-C-S. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and we love hearing from our customers, our users. Uh, we get a lot of feedback on how we can improve things and we definitely take those into account. So um, sign up, play around and uh, let us know what you think. I love it. <laughs> what, are you, what are you hiring for in case there's some folks out there that are, you know, thinking about making a jump or, uh, you know, just yeah. looking, looking for a gig. Yeah. We're hiring for a handful of roles, mostly on the business side right now. Um, SDR slash AEs is a role that we're looking at and also, uh, content marketing, uh, community manager type type roles as well. So really looking to ramp up our business side of the, the company. Uh, the, the company right now is very engineering and product heavy. So we need to balance that out a little bit. Um, but yeah. So if you're, if you're a talented AE, talented SDR, or, or really into writing about really mundane things like paperwork, um, <laughs> reach out to us. I love it. Yeah. Um, I, as I've said through this whole podcast, I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing. I hope listeners do take a look at Anvil. I hope that they learned something from this because I have, I mean, you've, you've percolated on some things that like I have not thought about before, like the privacy side of this and looking deeper into companies, right? I think it's easy to look at a company like Anvil and be like, all right, they're doing PDFs. But the vision that you guys have put together, the vision that the team is thinking about, like the, the just even the idea that that could be a future, if it becomes the future or not, I think is absolutely fascinating. So anyways, I appreciate the work you're doing every day, man. I appreciate the friendship. Uh, you're always fun to talk to and I appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you, Zach. It was a pleasure being on the, on the podcast today and uh, really hope to, to do this again sometime soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of For Fintech's Sake with Git. I put pertinent links and more info about Anvil in the show notes, so please go take a look if you're interested. With that said, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and do all of the other things that I'm supposed to remind you to do as a podcast host in your favorite podcast app. Podcast. And if you want our weekly emails, go to forfintechsake.com and subscribe there, as I said before. Until next time, stay healthy, keep your head high, and don't forget to support your local GameStop, y'all. Okay, bye.